Hello and welcome to Above Vital episode 20. I'm joined today by Clay and Jose. I'm back. Live and uncut in Austin, Tejas. I'm in Austin. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, your audio sounds really good. Video is a lot worse in person. (laughs) You guys guys like terrible. Yeah, (laughs) we have not aged well since we left. It's been hot. It's clearly, been cold. Clearly the camera subtracts five to ten years because you guys are looking busted. <laughs> your uh, total lack of sunlight has done wonders on your, <laughs> on your appearance, Joe. Real pasty. <laughs> well, good to have you here. Uh, I was away this weekend, but you guys got out for a ride, right? Um, yeah, we did. Epic. It was really <laughs> epic. We, 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 we drove, rode to a brewery we and stopped. Drive. We don't I don't drive. even know. How, I don't know what you guys did in episode 19. <laughs> you, you say you rode motorcycles to... For about... We basically rode through about 15 minutes of traffic-y roads. Mm-hmm. Got on Fitzhugh for about six minutes. If that. Stopped at Jester King. Had a beer, got cold, and came home. <laughs> <laughs> epic. Super epic. Yeah, super wow. epic. Well, I'm feeling a little less jealous now. So <laughs> yeah. thank you guys for making up that story for me. It was a delicious beer. Yes. Good, good, good. Uh, cool. Well, a um, couple of news items, I think, to probably start with. What's? Oh, God, those guys are back. <laughs> oh, we're surrounded. <laughs> God. All right, that's enough. All right. So clearly in episode 19, Clay got back control of the soundboard. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Didn't we try that in episode <laughs> three? We got a lot of listener complaints. <laughs> and now he's back. Which would be one, because if we get one comment or one yeah. complaint, that is like a lot of feedback. I did. Yeah, somebody did hit me up and say like, hey, I'm working through the back catalog and it's pretty entertaining. But God, you guys' audio is horrible. <laughs> It really is. Yeah. It's so bad. It's like the way your voices sound and the things that you say are terrible. <laughs> if by audio you mean everything that comes into your ears from having to do with this podcast, then yes, you're welcome. It's horrible. Yeah. It was, no, he was like on episode 11 or something and like optimistic that it might be getting better later. <laughs> I, I, there's got to be some ups and downs. Like, I oh, feel I like- think we have ones that are okay. I think the one we recorded like in the car in Oregon was pretty awful. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've, we've had, we've, yeah. Anyway, uh, what, what's, what's, what's happening? What's new? Oh, I got a, uh, I got my first lithium ion motorcycle battery. battery. Yeah. Yeah. I had to replace that. So I'm in this situation now where a couple of the bikes are living in storage and I go and like swap the bikes out, but they have no power there. So they get no charging, no drip charging. And uh, my Triumph battery was pretty well cooked um, and it just wasn't, it wasn't hanging. And so when I went to get it replaced, I thought it'd be kind of cool to get the, the lithium ion because they're supposed to do much better. They like, I guess they, all batteries lose some amount of power over time when not plugged in, but apparently they do a much better job. So I'll let you know, it is crazy how light and small it is though. Have you swapped out? Yeah. Yeah. Back when I cared about the weight of my motorcycles and myself, 
I <laughs> before I just let us both go. <laughs> I would swap out. I would always swap out for the lithium ion batteries. They've gotten cheaper too. The one in my uh, CRF two hundred and fifty basically is the size of four D cell batteries, it's like C cell yeah. size. They're tiny, like weighs a pound and a half. I yeah. think it's brilliant. I mean, you you swap out for the lithium ion and then you get what? You can drink like two more cases of beer <laughs> without even thinking Not about, even it. Worry about it. Yeah. yeah. But on that bike, that probably like every little bit helps it, on that bike, right? It actually does help. I mean, like a, a seven, six, seven pound battery on a bike that small, it does kind of help. Yeah. But on everything else, I'm not so sure. Yeah. That's like 1% of the way you should. And then but I put helium in my tires. <laughs> it helps. It helps. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's amazingly light, and it it's funny because it comes in a box that's like the size of a normal battery, and the guy hands it to you, and you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and then you open it up, and it comes with all this foam, so you can like foam out, you know, because it, I mean, it like you said, it's tiny, it's not going to fill the battery cavity, so you could make yourself a nice little extra storage area for some tools or something. Or you can just fill it with foam. You can you can get a twelve ounce can of beer in there. You can get a twelve pack. So is the foam sort of you can sort of trim it to fit your battery compartment? This one came with a bunch of different layers of different thicknesses and shapes. And so you hmm. kinda just like monkeyed with the combination, just tetris it up until you got a, a situation you liked going on in there. And you don't have to do like the chemistry experiment when you get a regular battery where you have to like break the seal and put the acid in and do all of that. Well, this thing, my old battery was definitely had the weird, like white crusty formations coming out of the top. So I decided that that was probably dead, but yeah. And took it to the guys at like battery plus and like, Oh, this thing is yeah. cooked. But they probably say that no matter what you bring in, they're like, Oh yeah, this whole motorcycle is cooked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys sell motorcycles? No, no, they've uh, so far. I've, I haven't had any kind of problems with them. I know I like you read reviews online and sometimes they don't cold start better or maybe they cold start better. I don't, they don't hot start better. They don't hot start better, but I've never had any problems with them. How's their warm start? It's pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty warm good. Start. Pretty good. Uh, well, I'll let you know. I mean, this unfortunately, this bike is going to spend you know weeks at a time, probably not getting started uh, in the storage unit. So we'll see if it how it hangs. Well, if we could get our Austin motorcycle garage going, yeah, we would have intent listeners. If yeah. anyone wants to donate a property <laughs> and, and <laughs> it's twelve trickle chargers, yeah, and some staff. Now, have you followed through on this idea about having a like a big mothership battery in your storage unit that you use to trickle charge the the motorcycles? No, that that was another idea, right? Was to get like a big old truck battery and just like you know power it up and then leave it there to kind of just trickle charge the little batteries in the bikes to kind of keep them maintained on the ten like tender style, but like, like yeah, swipe right on that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought tender, very tender. <laughs> But why not just get like an AC adapter and plug in a bunch of battery tenders to the to the big each battery? Bike. No, to each bike. Why do you need the big battery middle? There's no, There's no electricity power. in the storage unit. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was just going to sneak like a solar panel up on the roof and <laughs> put a hole through. But there's cameras everywhere. So it's a little tricky. Anyway, hopefully. You could this... put a little diesel generator in there and just yeah, keep, leave it running. Just humming away. Just humming away. We've been on an electric motorcycle kick, so this whole episode is going to be about batteries. <laughs> uh, Listeners, well, what's your favorite battery? Are you a double A guy, a triple A guy? We're all kind of double A guys. Yeah. I'm a nine volt man myself. Ouch. A classic. 
Uh, well, if we're going to talk about electric bikes, then let's talk about this news item here. Ural un unveils a EV prototype. So if you don't remember Ural, they're the uh, a Russian sort of, I don't know if they're actually made in Russia anymore, but basically it's like old Soviet era bike that never died. You know, they pretty much always attached to a sidecar, although they don't technically have to be, but that's why people buy them. That's what they're sold. They've sort of had a good little resurgence of late. I feel like some of the kind of odd, odd motorcycle brand dealers are, are, are selling them like A1 here in Austin. 1A, A1, whatever. Uh, sells them, you know, along with other mm -hmm. sort of misfit brands that don't have a home. Toys without homes. <laughs> Royal Enfield. Um, <clears throat> Royal Enfield. But, uh, but yeah, this is, I don't, I don't know if there's actually, uh, if they're, if they're going forward with this project, but it looks pretty cool. And I actually like it because I feel like the majority of people who buy these, buy them to ride them around town with their dog. Yeah. And did you, did you say what they're doing? You didn't even say. I didn't even say. They, yeah. What are they doing? They're, they're, they worked with zero motorcycles to do an electric motorcycle sidecar rig. And it, I mean, they did a pretty good job. It doesn't look that ridiculous. No. Um, it, it looks like it's fitted in there pretty good. And then they threw a bunch of extra batteries in the sidecar. So, yeah, I mean, if ever there was a form factor that would really <laughs> support the amount of onboard battery that you'd probably want in a bike sidecar might be it. Yeah. And I think you're right. Like around town would be pretty, pretty awesome, I think. And then with all that battery juice, you can probably go for quite a while. And I think with the Euros, you don't ever go faster than 60, 65. Right, they're so anyway. freaking slow. So like, this isn't going to be a big performance letdown. And I don't think their engines sound particularly interesting to begin with. And I mean, that's not really the, the point of them. I mean, I've seen some videos. If you go like YouTube, people driving Euros, especially the the ones with the two-wheel drive yeah. on crazy stuff. I mean, they they can actually go on some crazy-ass shit. They, they, when you watch those videos, they are <laughs> rattling around. Like, they usually don't have somebody in the sidecar. That would be terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think this is kind of cool. Like, it's already so weird and niche and like, I mean, they're not, I don't think they're cheap. I feel like they're, no, like they're 15 grand yeah. up to like 20 grand, you know, which is like, that's a that's a decent new car. Yeah, <laughs> so that's an expensive toy. You're buying this, you know, you know, because if you were getting a non sidecar based motorcycle and you're throwing that kind of money around, you could get a freaking ridiculous bike. So yeah. you're getting these because it's a little toy. It's a little hobby piece. You know? And I think like most of us don't actually do as much with our motorcycle as we think we would. So like you think you're going to get a Ural and you're going to trailer it out and go off roading and do all these things. And some people do, but. Most probably don't. Yeah. Coffee shop rig. Yeah. Coffee shop, uh, coffee shop dog rig. It is. <laughs> I, I did once disappear into a ADV rider forum that was uh, hacks and pups. They refer to the sidecar rigs as hacks. I spent, oh, a day, right. I spent days in there. <laughs> <laughs> when I came out, the election was over. Trump was president. I don't know what happened. I had lost my job. <laughs> <laughs> hacks and pups, hacks and pups, hacks and pups. Uh, I love this this design detail of the Ural where you uh, where you would normally have the the gas filler cap. You unscrew it, and that's your plug-in point for the charger. That's very cute. Yeah, I, mean, I like that they left the whole like gas filler mm -hmm. cap like the same and everything. Yeah, it's cool. Check it, check it out. Um, It'd be an unpleasant surprise for anybody trying to siphon your gas. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a problem anymore? <laughs> yeah. Foiled again! 
I bought I bought gas this weekend that was a dollar ninety nine a gallon. That's just that shouldn't be the a case. A dollar ninety nine. A dollar ninety nine. East Texas baby. We if you're looking for a deal on gas, <laughs> we need to get our trucks bigger. <laughs> we do. We've got, we've got <laughs> isn't enough gas. We've got a tight window. Six more years. <laughs> Uh, other new bikes are potential bikes that look pretty cool. This, um, I guess this is really slated to be a real bike. This Royal Enfield Continental GT 650. Oh, we have a, uh, we have a sound effect sample. <laughs> this is the Royal Enfield. It's got a nice, uh, nice growl to it. It's- it, feel, it feels very like European. It's very heritage sound. Mm-hmm. That was actually just a chainsaw, which has more <laughs> horsepower than my Royal Enfield. <laughs> How is your bike doing? What's the update now that you've had a had a moment to live with this thing? Well, if um, if I must be honest, um, it's currently at a tow yard. Cause, what? Because it got towed, and then three months ago. <laughs> no. <laughs> It got towed, so I got to go pick it up. But I got to go to the Oregon DMV and get proof of registration (laughs) of it first. Where did it get towed from? Oh, just in one of the neighborhoods. They were doing a street sweeping thing. Uh, I mean, it's just you really just cannot park in Portland. (laughs) Get towed again, despite what you might have heard in episode (laughs) nineteen. Listening, Scott. Yeah, so it's. It, I think the parking situation is mainly my fault. I shouldn't blame a whole city. That's <laughs> probably fair. But uh, other than that, it's doing pretty good. It hasn't been that rainy, so I've actually gotten to ride around with it. So last winter, I feel like I put my motorcycles away in October, November. So getting getting some December riding in until oh. it got towed. <laughs> but I, so overall, you're still... Still liking it? Yeah. Still, it's, no, nothing's yeah. kind of cropped up. But... No, and I, I I think they're still plugging along, getting good press. And I think this GT650 is a good sign for them, expanding into more modern bikes, a little less nostalgic niche bike. So Yeah, so this is a air and oil cooled single overhead cam, vertical twin. You know, it's looks like a... British looks like a Triumph, looks like an infield, looks like a sort of a British power plant, um, you know, or one of the many Japanese <laughs> knockoffs, knockoffs of, of, of said, uh, you know, legacy power plants. But this so this bike set up as at least in the promo photos and what's been released so far and the bikes they're taking around for test rides is set up as a, you know, single pilot, you know, a single seat kind of cafe-ish street tracker-ish kind of looking thing yeah it's got kind of a cafe racer yeah 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 no no clip-ons right but it's bonneville style yeah but it it looks pretty nice i mean it's got some weird like uh you know it's got the the frame kind of hanging out the back which is i guess sort of vintage look but i always think looks a little bit odd you know capturing the the rear fender um, but it, it looks it looks pretty good. No, it's always great when you buy like a new model from a motorcycle dealer, and then they within six months come out with a newer model. That's yeah, all, that's always super dope. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Would you get this though, or you're not you're no, not a buyer think... for both the Himalaya and this? No, I, well, no, I don't think so. I mean, I was kind of buying the the Himalayan for a specific purpose to be able to go on some of the fire roads and to get a, a little bit back to basics. So. 
know. <laughs> yeah, you're like two cylinders. Yeah. <laughs> Greedy. Well, back to basics. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know. I think this thing looks pretty cool. Clay is a as a owner of a of a Bonneville and R nine T two sort of retro modern classics. What, does does this capture your 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 attention? It does. I mean, I'm not. I don't know if I would buy one, but I think that they did a good job. I think it looks nice. What was the price tag on this thing again? I don't know that I've seen a price on this thing yet, but Royal Enfield has been really kind of undercutting the market, so I suspect it's probably not going to be too. It spendy. is five ninety nine ninety nine. Yeah, there you go. Six grand in a solid color. Six two four nine multicolors. Six seven four nine chrome. That's a pretty good price for a new bike. For a yeah. new bike, it's that a looks twin decent. cylinder. Yeah. Looks decent. Yeah. I mean, if it rides well, I'd say this could be a great little addition to the market. Yeah. Weren't you trying to help somebody shop at work for their first bike or getting back into bikes? I've done that a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mean with the TU250? Uh, one woman that was a little shorter in stature trying to figure out the right, you know, right bike for her. Uh huh. Uh huh. So Actually, two. Two different lady riders at work. Oh, really? Who are uh, getting either getting back into it or getting into it? Huh? What are they putting in the water over there? Uh, gasoline, <laughs> <laughs> motor oil. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. But so I've been. They've been kind of asking me for help in finding a bike, and yeah, we're going back to the whole like optimize bikes for shorter legged humans. <laughs> He's talking about us, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I think one of them had ridden a Grom. And that is that a short bike. <laughs> that it was great, but it's not super practical, I guess, for like an actual only bike. Yeah. I, those things look fun. Every time I see somebody ripping around town on one of those, they just always look like they're having a blast. Yeah. I think if you were out on like a proper road outside of town, you'd be just pinning it and a little disappointed. But for city riding, like, ah. Oh little tiny bike like that looks so fun uh-huh well uh, but neither one of them has uh pulled the trigger yet so i will keep you fair listeners apprised of the situation <laughs> well, i feel like they should be looking at this royal enfield catalog right now because it seems like there's a lot of interesting options in there get a new bike you know not have to worry about the headaches of of uh used bike and all the pain that comes with that if, if you're not super into maintenance and fixing stuff and sorting through electrical gremlins and all the stuff that comes with a, you know, 10, 15, 20 year old bike. I don't know. Now, is this a bike uh, with a relatively low standover height? 31.3 inches. Okay. Yeah, it's not, not bad. bad. Not, not bad. bad at all. Not as, not as forgiving as the uh, TU. Uh, yeah. I mean, that was still like 30, 31. Uh, it's hard to find anything much lower than that. Yeah. Besides from like a ruckus. Yeah. Ruckus or Grom or something <laughs> like that. But, can just about any bike be lowered? Um, I don't know. I, it's like you really start running out of some suspension travel. Like if you're at six or seven inches, that's already not too much. Yeah. And I mean, you can always drop the triple tree, but yeah, the whole lowering process, I don't know. That's kind okay. of a... Yeah, it kind of jacks with the with the geometry of the bike. And like, yeah, it, the bike's definitely... If it's not done, I think if you're going to do it, like get somebody who knows what they're doing, who like sets up bikes and have them do the whole process. I mean, you could certainly do it at home with your friend and there's articles online about how to take all the measurements and get it all set up with the pre-sprung and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. But if I were going to really like try to get a good amount of adjustment, like maybe an inch or something, 
I would definitely want to work with like yeah. a professional and have them dial it all in for me and, and get it right. Cause you know, it gets weird. The bike gets weird if it's been jacked with that much. I feel like the dirt bike riding I'm doing has gotten me over my fear of heights. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. like you start getting used to it and then start worrying about it. Like if you really had a tall dual sport in and around the city, I think at stoplights and all that would get pretty annoying. But that's like a 34, 35 inch seat height. I think right. I'm, I think I'm good to a full 33 inches now. Yeah. Really yeah. come a long way. Yeah. Well, you're also wearing those ridiculous platform shoes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Those look good. Those they look do good. look good. I mean, I say ridiculous <laughs> in the best possible way. Alrighty. Um, I don't think we ever got to catch up on a little trip that you guys did to the the Oregon Portland area. I know. I know we yeah, might have we, teased that before you guys oh, were headed out yeah. there, but we. Uh, How long is it? It's it, that was over Labor Day, <laughs> was it? And now we're in the middle of December. <laughs> now it's Christmas, so yeah, it's about we're about a month behind. That's how long it took us to write the script for the next segment. <laughs> Months. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so Clay came up um, for, what were you up there, for three or four days? Yeah, that sounds about right. And we took out the KTM Freeride, mm-hmm. and we took out the Beta 125RRS. We went out to, um, in Washington, right off the Washougal River, was I think the first day. Sorry, and then was, we went to Washougal. Okay. Just double check. It was the what was it? The Washugal. Okay. Washugal. The Shug. The sh- the Shug. The Shug, as we call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went to Brown's Camp, which was in Tillamook Forest. Um, but yeah, so I mean, you've done off-road riding. This was like the f- maybe first dirt dirt bikes. Nah. Uh, this was the f- like non-street legal dirt bikes. Yeah, I don't think I've ever. I've always ridden on dual sport bikes or street legal, you know, 250s or 400s and up. But uh, yeah, these were these were kind of a, a totally different beast. I don't was one of them is a two stroke and one is a four stroke. Yeah, right? the free ride is a two stroke. Free ride is a two stroke. And the yeah, and the beta is a four stroke. And the beta is not a true, true dirt bike, but um, the the free rides a little bit obviously a little bit little bit more but um i was uh i I was a little surprised clay was killing it out there yeah didn't fall over once well then i don't know if you're trying hard enough maybe i wasn't but uh no i i loved those bikes and they were a lot they were kind of easy to ride on that stuff yeah no you really start to get going and i think after the first day i think we were pretty like knackered and not really feeling like going out but then it was just like another beautiful day and you're just like to hell with it let's go do it again yeah but i usually usually don't do two days in a row it felt pretty good i was a little sore the second day though yeah i'd go back and do it again yeah so you guys were trailering out and then get the bikes out rip around take a break swap bikes that kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah, yeah did you get you didn't get to ride the free ride too much though because the rear brake went out yeah i think like just maybe an hour or so out of both days total yeah I, and it was like the rear brake kind of went out and uh it took me a while to figure oh, yeah. if it was out or not <laughs> and it's just like when he it, says kind of went out he means it went out <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it was is that working is that working oh god no <laughs> yeah you're not like you're not really sure and then eventually you're you're pretty sure um but it was 
kind of a cool experience because you just stop using it and I just love start your silver line in this one. Yeah. I was really having a tough time imagining how you were doing a lot of that downhill stuff with no back brake. It, it was just like, make sure you're straight up, use the front brake and then make sure all of your momentum's gone before you start turning around and all of that. Yeah. And use engine braking, I assume. A bit. Yeah. A little well, bit. The I two, feel like those things don't have a lot of the two stroke. Braking. It doesn't have a lot of engine braking. Um, but it was mainly just like, don't get going too fast unless you're going uphill. Cause then you'll just slow right down. But I thought it was actually a good exercise of like, what I learned is I'm using my rear brake way more than I need to. Hmm. Probably why I went out. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to call this an above idle. Top tip. Top tip. Cut your brake line every <laughs> once in a while. Get some practice riding without brakes. Mm. Yeah. And you want to just do it that way instead of just uh, detaching your front brake caliber. Caliber <laughs> and just letting it dangle in your, in, in your spokes. <laughs> That's how Clay did it. So you don't. My way is better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I would not recommend that that version no but it's a it's it's just like we've talked about it before it's so easy to go dirt riding up there and it really i just don't do that much street riding and if we could we could one time get the whole gang up into oregon and just do like washington backcountry discovery route or something like that yeah that would, that be, would be great that would be amazing It'd be fun i mean my experience riding up there was just super pleasurable because the the tracks are they have a lot of dirt on them and a lot of the other off-road riding I had experienced was more honestly in Texas and then in the Northeast. And in both cases, I feel like you're riding a lot of rock, a yeah. lot of gravel, a lot of sort of sandy loam. And those are all interesting, but I find them all to be hard. You know, they're, they're, they're tricky. They're Rocks tr can be hard. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be your above idle tip number two. <laughs> Turns out real quick, guys, why don't I take a pause? Um, yeah. Oh, definitely. No, I went down on some like granite in uh, in where was it? It was like New York and that hurt real fucking bad. Um, but yeah, and it was not to say that it's easier. It's just that it, the surface has a little more traction. It's a little more forgiving when you do go down. And so you, I, I was pushing myself a lot harder out there than I have on some of the other off roading sort of, uh, you know, trips we've taken. Also, a little bike is lighter. It's yeah. much less traumatic when it falls on you than, you know, a 450-pound bike. But that's a – it's kind of a, a little bit why I like to have that beta because it's so easy to ride. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's right at 200 pounds, 15 horses. And I feel like me riding that was what enabled me to ride, like, the free ride and the beta 300. Yeah. And it's just, like, such a great bike, especially – It's gateway bike. Gateway bike. Really and, – and you can – you know, when we did switch, I had a good time riding it because you can just like pin it. You can throw it around mm -hmm. it slows down a little more engine braking. It had a rear brake. I mean, <laughs> that thing was pretty overrated, pretty, pretty sweet. So that thing really is a great, uh, I think, starter. Have you got bike. your like load in, load out process pretty nailed down now? And just Yeah, it's still um, it definitely goes a lot quicker. But it's still just not an ideal solution. Yeah. It's like ramping up into the back of a truck. It it shouldn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but it's always like a 10-minute exercise. <laughs> it just seems 
there's always a, a one in a thousand chance you just like fall off the side of the bed of your truck. <laughs> yeah. And it just like never feels and, quite. And so quite now great. you've gone out 999 times. Yeah. So I'm, I'm giving up motorcycling. <laughs> there I'm was done. another guy who was like parked right next to us there who seemed to have really gotten it down. <laughs> yeah. He's doing it by himself, just like bleep, bleep, and he was done. Yeah. And I've seen people who would just like allege so where the bed of the truck is maybe 12 to 18 inches off the ledge yeah they'll just like write it up like papa wheelie yeah. ride it into the back yeah. and that's that's pretty dope but uh, any, you guys get any wheelie practice in when you're out there <sighs> still still wheelie <laughs> <laughs> i mean i did a bunch when jose wasn't looking <laughs> well someday we'll all go take the wheelie class yep someday i mean it really should not be that hard <laughs> it's like these motorcycles wheelie themselves i popped a couple of little ones but i didn't do any good extended wheelie riding yes 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 i mean i was jumping little rocks pretty good <laughs> both, wheel, both wheels were in the air that was gravel Jose. <laughs> i swear i got air <laughs> so if if somebody was gonna find themselves out in you know that area and had like you know a day to maybe rent a bike and go ride or something what which of the parks or which area would you maybe point them towards i I would probably point them towards tillamook just because there's so many options the challenge with all of those places though is cheese completely made of cheese the all natural (laughs) naturally aged cheese (laughs) he's back spokesman for tillamook is back uh it's the thing is that it's a little bit intimidating because there's so many trails and like the maps aren't that great for them. I'm sure the maps in Oregon are wonderful. I'm going to hear about this. Because <laughs> <laughs> they know how to read a map. Dear sir. <laughs> the maps are excellent. I know I'm the problem. I know. Scott. <laughs> um, but it's just, there's so many trails. And if you really had a day to get lost out there, you could get very, very lost and might be out there for two days um <laughs> if you had a day to get lost yeah if the mountain lines don't days. get you first yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah i, th- I think that yeah, one there's since so the great options. cheese famine they've been uh, really <laughs> dangerous mm-hmm. yeah so that's right. kind of the easy easy one and it's also just like a beautiful ride out there cool well i'm a little little sad i missed it but actually not all that sad well you you did do it once i did it once you yeah. did it once all right, let's get on to a much more important topic. Let's stop talking about the past. Let's talk about the future. Ooh. I don't know if this is going to be a super interesting one for our listeners. So, I mean, if anyone listens, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's it's been a little, it's been a minute. We don't have a plan on a real ride. We don't have a, a not in town, not in state, not in country, not out of country. It's been, I mean, the last one was... Chile, Argentina, right? Yeah. Uh, no, Portugal. Portugal. Portugal was after that. Right. Portugal was last no. year. All right. So this Portugal year? was this year. In <laughs> we we a- haven't April. We, we haven't done anything. <laughs> I feel like it we haven't t- ridden together in four or five years. I do. Portugal does feel like a year ago, though. It feels a long time. That was in April, right? Yeah. April. Yeah. That threw us off because I don't think we typically have done these trips in the spring. So mm. it's messing with your psyche. Well, well, before we get into where we might go mm-hmm. i do feel like we're not as diligent as we were about getting on the, the books so like what's going on what do we what do we need to do we got too much else going on we just need to put a, something on the calendar and say it's happening this is always the thing there's always the thing it's like you, you gotta drink a bunch of beers and then you gotta get riled up and be like that's it 
uh, June 2019. We're going to. Well, we just went to Portugal. Okay. I've had too many. And then, and then, and then the next day, somebody w- wakes up and writes the email like, "No, we're actually doing that." Yeah. Market calendars, and it has to be. There's always been. There's always been my tactic, like for trips, and I feel like for I manipulating your friends into getting no, going on trips. Yes, for how to get you fucking. <laughs> you know, but I feel very fortunate. I mean, I really do appreciate the fact that I've gotten to take a bunch of great trips over the past, you know, four or five years, and I'm very. I'm very appreciative of that, but I think one of the techniques that works for doing this is to put it out a certain amount of time, whatever it is for you that's comfortable, mm-hmm. six months, eight months, a distance to where you're, which that's, those are tomorrow's problems. I, you know, and just mm-hmm. tell yourself like, start surely picking I'll it. figure it out by then. Exactly. Pick a thing that you can commit to and put it on the calendar and then start telling everyone, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your boss, like you just... Tell your priest. Tell, tell your priest. <laughs> tell your lawyer. <laughs> tell your plumber. <laughs> you just know. I mean, you really kind of make your community keep you responsible to it. Because then people start asking you, oh, you're going on that trip. That's so cool. You're going on the trip. And and that's oh, the only yeah. way any of these things have happened is you put them far enough out there and you just tell everyone that's happening. And then, holy crap, it actually yeah. happens. And you, you just get like the critical mass of two people who are definitely doing it mm-hmm. and two or three people who are probably going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I think it just starts falling. And then an alternate. Place. And then, just and then an alternate. So uh, with all that said, I say we don't do one this time. <laughs> <laughs> and one guy and who's one real negative. Freaking naysayer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always Clay. No. Well, what do we think? Where are we going to poke around at? I got an idea. Yeah. Let's just start at the beginning of the alphabet. Okay. Antarctic. No. Alaska. <laughs> That's actually not completely dumb. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I think Is Alaska really the, could be the amazing. the beginning of the alphabet, though? What about Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan? Azerbaijan is after Alaska. All right. I think we should, we could start with uh, <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> People are slowly, slowly <laughs> turning the podcast off at this alphabet game. All right. No, Alaska. Let's talk about Alaska as a motorcycling destination. What I we don't know think anyone it. goes to Alaska to ride motorcycles. No. We might be the first. No. They must have some sort of... Well, like, what are the criteria we normally look for, right? We normally look for something that is not completely ludic- ludicrously expensive and or time-consuming to get to. Mm-hmm. We look for something where there's some chance that there will be infrastructure for renting motorcycles right right and then it's got to be beautiful and have great roads yeah and and usually the infrastructure follows the other things you know if if it's a beautiful place with great roads then probably someone will be renting motorcycles there yes yeah that's the hope but i mean it's amazing how many places we've thought about riding especially in the u.s it almost seems harder in the u.s where you're like oh that area is supposed to be beautiful and then you go and try to find a rental place and there's like yeah there's one like what is that eagle that only rents like mm-hmm. harleys and it's like 200 miles from where you want to go and you're like yeah ah. yeah i don't know but then it's it's i mean maybe we're alternating international domestic international domestic but for me i like like really am thinking new zealand but it's a long way to go as yeah, i think no, it could be not gonna be a cheap one yeah that doesn't check the boxes of not super hard to get to or crazy expensive to get to well i mean europe wasn't that easy to get to either yeah i mean i mean it is portugal's like like eight hours from philadelphia i think new zealand's like 
14, 15 hours from anywhere. Well, but it's it's like if we're not talking South America and we're not talking Europe. What are we talking? What are we talking? We're what talking, are we talking? We're talking Thailand. Thailand. Alaska. Southeast New Asia. Zealand. Thailand. Yeah. Uh, like Malaysia, Vietnam. Vietnam holds a lot of interest for me. I've, I've heard good writing stories there. What about like a Morocco? What about Japan? Morocco is supposed to be pretty fun. Um my understanding is it's maybe like bigger open riding to get to places that are a little more curvy and interesting. Um, and that there's definitely some kind of safety stuff, not like you're yeah. in super danger, but like there's a lot of people trying to kind of, you know, help help themselves to your money and, and whatnot. What um, was the one you said? Right we before? disguise ourselves as poppers. <laughs> on a BMWs. <laughs> but this is all I had. We put tape over the BMW and, <laughs> and write and say that it's a Yamaha Vino. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Royal Enfield. You have no interest. Uh, yeah. Uh, what was the one you said right before Morocco? Vietnam. 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 A little steamy, I yeah. think. Um, and I don't know like how I think you could do a lot of interesting things on a motorcycle in Vietnam. I don't know if it's a... Oh, they do all kinds of stuff on motorcycles there. I don't know if it's like a motorcycle destination place. I don't... I mean, I don't know if we get a we get a, a feather in the hat for that one, but I don't, I don't know if there's going to be the kind of infrastructure in terms of renting bikes that we would find yeah. particularly exciting. It might be Royal yeah. Enfields. Um, I mean... Ouch! Ouch! Look for Ouch! mountains. You got to look for good mountains, right? That's you're going to need a good mountain. That's where you're going to find good riding. Yes, you need... You need ding, good mountains. <laughs> You're gonna need physical characteristics, water, mountains, etc., to make the riding interesting. And ideally, you know, uh, or roads that were built before there was like fast modern road building technology, right? Like that's like so Europe. There's plenty of space in Europe that's just twisty and fun, just because it was built on horse trails and nobody mm -hmm. laid down a grid. Um, I mean, how much how much harder is it to get to New Zealand than it is to get to Vietnam? I feel like both of those are challenging. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. I, I suspect they're they're sort of similar. In the yeah. Way. Once you're going to Asia, you probably make it to New Zealand. I think a New Zealand motorcycle trip would be really, really fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's about, I mean, I was just talking to a friend of mine that got back from, uh, I think they did three weeks in, in New Zealand, split between the islands. And, you know, just nothing but rave reviews. I mean, everyone knows it's like Lord of the Rings, beautiful, you know, just crazy natural beauty, more sheep than people. Super like people just ride the train and they're like, it's the best train I've ever heard in my world. It's super beautiful. So I, I got to figure on a, on a motorcycle, especially a, a dual sport that's decently powerful because it is giant. Uh, you could see some pretty great stuff. That is... Listeners, you see how I inceptioned them, and now they're telling me they want to go to New Zealand. New Zealand. <laughs> Listen, Jose, yes. I just don't know why you won't get on board with this New Zealand plan. All right, plan. I guess I will. I guess I, I will. think I would want to go for three weeks, and that's part of the problem. I think this is a little bit of the problem with that one. Is it feels like it, it, it's like I hate to say, it, but like a lifetime trip. You know, it's yeah, like, it's it like is. one where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it back here. Like, I can't short trip this thing and go for like eight days. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, that one's got to be. I mean, I think you're there for like at least 15 days, and maybe it's not all motorcycle riding. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> maybe we plan this one like two years ahead. That's good. See, oh, maybe this is the this is how this top tip gets expanded upon. Because if I'm like, 
oh, we got to plan this trip from six months from now. I don't know if I could really do three weeks in New Zealand. But we say two years out, I'm in. 2020. 2020, it sounds like the perfect time. Flying motorcycles in New Zealand. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Motorcycle jetpacks? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm totally on board for so, 2020. Yeah. Okay, so 2020. All right, so Use what up are we all doing your vacation days in one uh, one fell swoop. So then maybe we need something very accessible for 2019. Pulled back, trim, yeah. slim. I, I feel better about domestic domestic plans. Yeah, in 2019. Alaska is like the the domestic plus. It is the domestic plus, but I I don't know if you're being sarcastic. Is it a good motorcycling place? I I mean I yeah I think it is. I think it is Where? like epically. Alaska. Epically beautiful heard, yeah. and giant. And I don't know what, you know, because I feel like it's big, mm. giant highways that they built to like follow physical features like rivers and stuff. And I don't know if there's like crazy twisties, but anywhere there's mountains and nature, there's got to be some twisty dirt roads, right? A lot of nature. And someone was telling me that uh, you go during the summer solstice when it's pretty much daylight 24 yeah. hours and you've got all of the megafauna out. You know that- who told us that? Yeah. The was guy it? in Panky in the Cougar Springs, in Cougar right? Springs, yes, yeah. it was the guy in Cougar Springs. Now I remember. <laughs> you, yeah. What was his like name? It was uh, Julian? Steve? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, guys? What? that was like episode uh, four, right? A Friedrich? Or no. No, was it, was no it, but don't you remember? He was, was like, Sarah? He was like, you, yeah, go during the solstice. You can see all the megafauna. Also, you guys are fat. <laughs> You guys, hey, where do you find something decent to eat around here? Uh, if I were you guys, I'd consider fasting. Yeah, you, like, yeah, I think what he actually said was, looks like you guys could afford to skip a few dinners. <laughs> what a gent. Yeah, well, yeah, You're calling me a megafauna? Dave. <laughs> Did he call he was calling us megafaunas? <laughs> Oh, uh, you yeah. you, this this group of megafaunas because you use a little yeah. more flora. Yeah. No, but uh, no. What he did say, and this does sound pretty intriguing, is at like the summer solstice, everyone takes it as a party opportunity. Like stays in town, gets really ripped, stays up all night. And if you you know don't, then you can get on your bike and like go ride with a good amount of light and see all these animals, which we're normally used to being out at night and they still have their nocturnal rhythms. And so you can see all the, all the cool giant animals of Alaska without a bunch of other people on the highway to kill you. It's like wearing night vision goggles without having to wear night vision goggles. It is. I'm, I'm, I'm down with Alaska. I mean, I'm in Portland now. That's like a pretty easy flight for me. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think that would be, we're walking. We're not. (laughs) (laughs) Would also be a challenging walk for me. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be interesting writing in Canada, too. We're just like blanking that out completely. I mean, I had a great time in British Columbia. I thought that was really cool and it's super accessible. I mean, we could do we could launch from, you know, Seattle and and go up into and actually up the up the coast there uh, in British Columbia is supposed to be really cool, like past Vancouver and Vancouver Island and all that stuff and up the coast there. Do either of you guys speak any Canadian? <laughs> no, we're all we're all jerks. <laughs> that I would I would be down. I mean, then that way I don't have to rent a motorcycle. I can just take the Royal Enfield. No, you're not going to keep up. What? <laughs> <laughs> well, not I, where we're going. Well, if, if if you leave Austin at the same time I leave Portland, then I'll have a pretty good head start. You'll need it. Yeah. No, but, that that could be interesting though. Like that. Go north. We we tend to go 
south or across the pond. Yeah, BC. I I hear nothing but great things about it. Uh that that also feels a little more interesting because it you're actually crossing a couple states, a couple countries. That's not bad. It's yeah. not bad. Oh, it'd be fun, and I think there's, uh, you know, there's obviously a ton of mountains right there because that's big like ski country. Mm-hmm. But then you're also right by the the shore there on the western side, so you could kind of do a little bounce back and forth and see some some big ocean and see some mountains and probably have a pretty good. I mean, I think it gets relatively remote relatively quick as you go north. Mm-hmm. It's a great uh, mountain biking destination too, from what I hear. Mm. There are, I mean, there's plenty of, uh, what's, what's that, what's that big motorcycle rental company that's so strong on the West coast? Not the Eagle Rider you want to mention. <laughs> Double yeah. Jew? No. Oh, what is it? It'll come back to me, but, um, they run, they have a shop out of Alaska. I think they have a shop out of Seattle and maybe one down in LA or something. And, um, Moto Explorer. I don't know. It's like a super oh, yeah, junior, yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, and I think those guys rent bikes so you can one way up to Alaska, which is probably more than we can get done because it's a pretty huge distance. You think um, so? How far is that? Listeners. Are you asking the listeners? You can't phone a friend on a podcast. No, that's, that's not in <laughs> real time. They never respond. <laughs> Dial 1-900. All right. So we're, we're, we're putting it in the books for uh, June, July. Yeah, we should probably look at like what the weather action is up there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it is 2,400 miles from Portland to Alaska. Yeah. Canada big. Yeah, that's Canada pretty real big. big. That's that's pretty big. Yeah. I don't think we can do that. All, All right. right. That's so. the megafauna distance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could just go into british columbia a little bit but i don't know i feel like we've been talking about alaska this whole time we gotta we gotta make that happen yeah let's look at both of those because you know it's all about adding up the dollars and cents right if you could the the cost of getting to alaska is significantly more than the cost of getting to you know seattle as a launch point Mm -hmm. and then look at the price of the the bikes and whatnot i mean you could almost do sort of like a little bit of a reverse of what i did where you go like seattle up into british columbia you know, drive a bunch of the mountains and then like come back down into Montana or something and come back across on the U.S. America side. Mm-hmm. Did you do Montana? I've I've done some. I mean, I've done some, but it's it's pretty giant. We we could also do um, something like a pure off road dirt bike trip in Moab, Utah, or something like that. Oh yeah, just yeah. go there for like four or five days, something like that. Yeah. Don't are you talking a, like adventure riding with camping gear or are you talking like base camp and like day base rides? camp day rides type yeah. type deal? That could be pretty cool. Yep. Yep. I hear very good things about that. That could be really nice. Yeah. I could load up the dirt bikes, drive to Utah. Yeah. Meet you there. Yeah. I, right. I mean, that's an affordable trip for sure. Yeah. I mean, affordable. You guys, <laughs> you guys will all owe me $20 gas money. <laughs> Uh, Take the deal now. It's only going to get worse. (laughs) Uh, Costa Rica. I mean, you ride mountains. There's like, I've seen some ads for organized tours, which I don't think we can probably ever do because we we just seem to fight that at every turn. But, you know, maybe when we get a little older. Um, But, you know, they're like mountains to mountains to coast. And that's sort of the, the promise there is you get to ride. Ride in the jungle, ride on the beach. Yeah. I like it. All right, so we've got we've got three three possibilities. What about Columbia? Columbia, 
Colombia. Ohio? No, Colombia. <laughs> I, I think it would be, I think Colombia could be super, super interesting. Just having driven, ar- driven around there, it was like kind of beautiful. It would definitely be less supported type, um, a little more adventurous, but I think it's beautiful. And there are like a lot of interesting roads, forests, all of that stuff. So that I feel like pretty- I read a little editorial piece of somebody who, who rode around there. And like got a lot of people when he was going to be like, oh my God, it's so dangerous, you know, and, and just having just a great time and everyone being super friendly and helpful. And yeah, I, I feel like their, their reputation outside of Colombia is still very much like Medellin cartel, but yeah, well, every, Netflix ain't helping with that. Netflix is yeah. not helping with that. I mean, that, I know what it's like in narco land. That shit was 20 years ago, man. <laughs> take, take a like, note, take a note, Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All their terror is cyber terror now. Yeah, I think the FARC is like completely done. So well, it's a name like that. Were you ever going to really make it? <laughs> it's like a, it's like when a dog barks and farts at the same time. <laughs> a dog. It's a FARC. <laughs> okay. It's a farting bark. All right, all right. Super on topic today, yeah. y'all. Super on topic. <laughs> I think it's a pretty good stopping point. Yeah. I think we just farked up this episode. (laughs) Well, listeners, I guess we'll turn it over to you. I'm going to have to put up a poll. And really, if you, I'm going to ask this. If you haven't filled out one of our many polls in the past or sent us an email or been a part of the, the, the loving and supportive above idle family, this is your time to jump in. Where are we going? Tell us where to go. We know where we're going 2020. Uh, but where are we going 2019? Are we going to <laughs> Arkansas? No. Are we going to Alaska? Are we going to uh, Moab? Are we going to Colombia? Are we going to Costa Rica? Um, we're going to let you guys choose. Whatever you pick. Whatever yeah. you what, pick. Whatever you pick, <laughs> we're going to do. I feel like we're going to get a lot of go-to-hells. <laughs> Not a binding agreement. Uh, yeah, there will be no other fill-in option on the survey. Um, yeah, no, I, I really, if you've been to any of these places, if you have any, if you have any advice, I'd love to hear your opinions, uh, as always. So with that, I think we bid you a fair adieu. All right. Good night. Good morning. Ciao.